Hello, this is Seth and Jenna Herlick, and we are also known as Him and Her Worship. We are also the creators of the What Do I Know podcast, where we talk about life while having very little life experience ourselves. We are a normal couple passionate about lighting hearts on fire for Jesus, who just happened to play music. We write our own original worship music, and we play in churches all around the country, and we'd love to connect with you. We have lots of ways for you to do that. On Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify, we are at Him and Her Worship, and we have a website, and we are himandherworship.com. Also, check out our podcast at Apple Podcasts and other streaming platforms. God bless you. Thanks so much for your time, and we cannot wait to meet you in person. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world. Here, you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God has created us to be. We're glad you've joined us today. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves to gird up and join us on this road towards Christian manhood. May God bless your time with us. Here we go. Hello, gentlemen. My name is Charlie Ungamak. I am a man of God chasing after God's own heart. I do not do it perfectly. I certainly don't even do a good job of most of, it, most of the time. Frankly, gentlemen, I'm a sinful man, and I continue to be a sinful man, and I will continue to be a sinful man, no matter how hard I try, until the Lord brings me home. That does not mean that I don't try, of course. Uh, I do my very best to live under the shelter of God's protection. I live um, as righteously as I possibly can. But the reality is, the good I want to do, I do not do. The evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing. I looked around uh, a couple of years ago, realized I wasn't the man I wanted to be. Realized I wasn't becoming the man I wanted to be. I wasn't doing anything to become that man. And I realized that there were not a lot of examples of Christian manhood around me. Not the kind of manhood, not the kind of biblical, scriptural manhood that I was looking for. Not the kind of guys I wanted to emulate. And so I started this project, the Gird Up Project, an opportunity for me to explore themes of Christian manhood, to learn how to be a Christian man myself, a true man after God's own heart, and an opportunity to share that message then with men like you who are seeking to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. And I pray that this message is a blessing to you. I pray that uh, as, as you grow in faith and as you walk with the Lord, my words can only aid you on the way. I pray the Lord guides the meditation of my heart and the words that come off my lips today, uh, that all of them may be acceptable in his sight and may represent his word and its truth and purity uh, and encourage you on your path toward Christian manhood. Today, I want to talk about disputes among Christians. <laughs> if only they didn't exist, right? It'd be great if they didn't. Um, I would be remiss to, uh, to, to claim that I have never worried about um, such things. I think my best friends um, are some of my best friends because they've done a very good job of resolving conflict with me. Um, I think about you guys have heard Nick Cresson and Chester Reinemann on this podcast several different times. I love them dearly. They are brothers to me. Um, and both of them at different times, I've ticked them off. They've ticked me off. 
Um, I think <laughs> Nick and I have deeply hurt each other at different times in our relationship and lives, and and uh, the Lord has blessed us with the opportunities to to renew those friendships, uh, to come back, uh, to continue to grow, to continue to cling to each other as we chase our Heavenly Father. And it's a tremendous blessing. It's an absolutely tremendous blessing. Um, and, and we can expect that those conflicts um, are going to arise among us. Uh, we can expect that those conflicts are going to uh, are going to sprout up, no matter how hard we try. Again, not that we ever would seek to have those things happen, um, but they do. And we can expect that hardships are going to arise in our life um, because uh, we are sinful people. Um, there's going to be bumps on a road. Christ tells us to expect them. Jesus told his disciples um, both to pick up their cross and follow him, um, but also to carry a sword. Um, Paul encouraged early Christians and us to rejoice in hardships, trials, and persecutions and difficulties. Uh, and Jesus, at a different point, spoke to Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's not <laughs> a pleasant message to hear. That I'm going to spend most of my life and I'm going to be most blessed in my life at moments when I'm absolutely miserable. That's the reality. Um, and hardships and trials and struggles and persecutions, um, because they're a part of the package and because they're for Jesus' sake, especially uh, when it's from people who are outside the faith, from entities and from bodies and from humans that are outside of the faith, outside of the church, when they oppress us, I think it's actually kind of easy to deal with sometimes um, because I'm a mature Christian, particularly um, someone who has grown up in the faith and really, truly knows the word of God. It's not that difficult. They have the ability to step back, listen to Jesus's words when he says, he who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me, but he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me and say, you know what? They're not really hating me. They're hating the one who sent me. They're hating my heavenly father. They're hating the message of grace and mercy that the father has provided. It really isn't a personal thing at all. Um, but that becomes a different thought process. It becomes a different issue. Um, it's a lot harder to handle, to deal with, when conflicts and persecutions and difficulties um, and, and, and stressful situations arise among and between believers. Um, I personally have struggled a lot. Um, struggle greatly with a lot of these types of situations, um, especially while I read the Psalms. Um, David says things uh, like Psalm 35, um, contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me, fight against those who fight against me, take up the sh take up shield and buckler, arise and come to my aid, brandish spear and javelin uh, against those who pursue me, say to my soul, I am your salvation. May those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. May they be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. May their path be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Since they hid their net for me without cause and without cause dug a pit for me, may ruin overtake them by surprise and may the net they hid entangle them. May they fall into the pit and to their ruin. May my soul rejoice. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. My whole being will exclaim, Who is like you, O Lord? 
You rescue the poor from those who are too strong from them, for them, and the poor and needy from those who rob them. Ruthless witnesses come forward. They question me on things I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good, and they leave my soul forlorn. Yet when they are ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. When my prayers were returned to me unanswered, I went about mourning as though my, for my friend or my brother. I bowed my head in grief as though weeping for my mother. But when I stumbled, they gathered in glee. Attackers gathered against me when I was unaware. They slandered me without ceasing. Like the ungodly, they maliciously mocked. They gashed their teeth at me. Oh, Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue my life from the ravages, my precious life from these lions. I will give you thanks in the assembly. Among throngs of people, I will praise you. Let not those gloat over me who are my enemies without cause. Let not those who hate me without reason maliciously wink the eye. They do not speak peaceably, but devise false accusations against those who live quietly in the land. They gape at me and say, aha, aha, with our own eyes we've seen it. Oh, Lord, you've seen this. Be not silent. Be, do not be far from me, Lord. Awake and arise to my defense. Contend for me, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me in your righteousness, oh, my God. Do not let them gloat over me. Do not let them think, aha, we, just as we wanted, or say, um, we have swallowed them up. May all who gloat over my distress be put to shame and confusion. May all who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and disgrace. May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, the Lord be exalted, who delights in the well-being of my servant. My tongue will speak of your righteousness and of your praises all day long. It's so easy to pray that prayer against the devil in the world. <laughs> it's so easy. Right? It comes naturally. Um, but what comfort or vindication can there be when someone you know loves the Lord injures you? Right? What vindication, what joy is there in, in words like that um, when someone that you know loves the Lord, someone that you know is a person of faith, injures or persecutes or attacks you or your name? Does not the Lord come both to their aid and to mine? Um, should I really be praying for their destruction? Do I really pray against them as my enemy? <laughs> do, do I really ask the Lord to stand against a brother or sister in faith who has wronged me? Um, here again, we return to Romans 7. We've been talking about Romans 7 a lot lately, but it's a powerful piece of scripture. If I do what I do not want to do, and if I fail to do the good that I want to do, continuing instead to do the evil that I do not want to do, can I then also assume that he or she also is doing what he or she does not want to do and that they also fail to do the good they want to do and that to continue instead to do the evil that they do not want to do. Paul states, Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. And can't we then say that and gladly say that it is not my brother or sister in Christ who sins against me, but the sin living in him or her that does it? It reframes immediately um, the picture of my enemy, right? It's not my brother or sister in Christ who is the enemy. It's the devil and his demons and the sinful nature that remains in them that has wronged me, not my brother or sister. And this is why Jesus establishes new guidelines for his people in Matthew 18. If a brother sins against you, first go to him and show him his guilt, show him his fault just between the two of you. And if he listens to you, you've won him over. But if he doesn't listen to you, go back with one or two others so that the matter can be established with witnesses. 
right? And then if he doesn't listen to the witnesses, if he doesn't listen to what's been established by witnesses, then you go to the church. And if he won't listen to the church, you cast him out. Jesus says, treat him like you would a pagan or a tax collector. Knowing that my brother is both a saint and a sinner, I first go to him and try and resolve it, right? I go to him, I show him his sin, that he may see it and resolve it. By first going alone, and then with only one or two witnesses, I protect my brother's name, and I allow him or her the opportunity to amend the situation, to reconcile, um, the opportunity to, to fix it, right? To, and, and to seek forgiveness for his sin, ultimately, to return to a righteous path before it becomes a public thing, right? And this has to be my goal in conflict resolution all the time, no matter what. My goal in conflict resolution with a fellow brother or sister in Christ is not to catch them in a sin or even to make them stop. It's to help them return to a path of righteousness. This must be my goal in conflict resolution, to restore my brother or sister to righteousness. And it works both ways. If a brother or sister comes to me with a sin that I've committed, I ought to listen. Or comes to me and accuses me of a sin. I ought to listen and ought to consider carefully what they say. Any man who has ever seen his sin documented and laid before him in writing understands, and we understand on a whole other level, um, really truly what it means to weep over my guilt and sin. Um, but it also affords me protection in the event that the issue or incident was not as perceived. How many times have we, how often have we made mountains of, out of molehills? <laughs> like how often have we ruined lives and relationships and reputations and ministries over perceived slights um, or slander or, or just like unintentional offense? It's not always as it seems. And sometimes what we perceive as, as wickedness and sinfulness actually isn't even that. And sometimes what we perceive as goodness is actually wickedness and sinfulness. Not everything is always as it seems, particularly among believers. And so we go to them and we seek to return them to a righteous path. And as a child of God, when someone comes to me and rebukes me, a wise man listens to the rebuke of a friend. If a brother or sister comes to me and points out something that's sin or something they believe to be sin, I listen. I take heed. And I amend the situation. Jesus protects both the offender and the offended in this scenario. Um, he places righteousness squarely at the center of all of our relationships. It's keeping righteousness and returning back to righteousness always. Um, and, and doesn't heaven rejoice when one who has strayed returns to the fold? Um, Jesus told his disciples, he told us that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 unrighteous persons who do not need to be repenting. When we see a brother or sister who we believe has gone astray, it is our duty and it is our prerogative as young men and women of God to go and to speak to them, or as men and women of God in general, to go and speak to them and to show them their fault and to seek reparations. If they don't listen, take it up the chain and follow the directions that God has given us. And we live in a culture right now where we have a tendency to um, skip all of our steps, right? We don't go to someone privately. We make things public. We don't even test to see if it's the truth. And I'm not here to lecture on that. I'm simply here to encourage us to follow the steps that Jesus has, has laid before us and to expect from each other that such steps will be followed. 
go to each other. Let's make peace with each other. Let's walk together in faith. Let's choose love over over hate. Let's choose um, joy over anything else, particularly within the bounds of the church. If someone I know is a believer, someone I know loves the Lord, has wronged me or is accusing me of wrong, let's fix that situation. Let's fix that situation. Let's fix it with love and with mercy, with forgiveness and truth and peace. Um, I love the I love the picture of Jesus with the woman condemned to die, right? She's, she's, she's an adulteress. She's been caught in adultery. She's been caught having sex with a man that she's not married to. And by Mosaic law, she ought to be stoned. And Jesus says, let him who is sinless cast the first stone. Jesus was also really bold about saying to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the leaders of the, uh, of the, of the uh, Jewish tabernacle in the temple in Jerusalem on his, in his last week of life. He was really clear. He called them whitewashed tombs and, and a brood of vipers when they um, pretended that they were better, that they were more holy, that they were more righteous than anyone else. And in fact, I would even say to those whitewashed tombs, because they still walk among us, right? Those people who believe themselves more righteous than the rest of us, if you truly are more righteous than I, and I'm the one who's going astray, if there's certainly more rejoicing in heaven over me returning to the Lord than over you who've always been righteous. Now, granted, the truth is none of us have ever truly been righteous the entire time. But that's what I would say to those whitewashed tombs who, who accuse me so often of straying and returning and straying and returning, which is truth. I'd say to a whitewashed tomb, pretty clearly Jesus says, he loves me, the lost sinner who keeps returning. And he rejoices over me, the lost sinner who keeps returning. Um, far more than he rejoices over the righteous. I pray that I am righteous. I pray that I walk in righteousness and truth, and I pray that you do the same, and I pray that when we have conflicts, um, we find peace and resolution with each other, uh, and we continue to walk the, the walk of faith, the path of faith. And, and, and as a last point, I would point out that in Psalm 23, um, when David says, you know, you are with me, you're riding your staff, they comfort me, he first says um, that you make me walk in path, paths of righteousness for your name's sake, and even though I walk through the, deep, the darkest valley, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I actually like the darkest valley better. He says, you lead me in paths of righteousness, and it immediately follows up as, while I'm walking in those paths of righteousness, it often is a dark path. It often is a path of deepest darkness. We know that we will expect it. Um, if we depend on the Lord for forgiveness and for strength, we'll be just fine. We'll be able to walk with the Lord. We'll be able to solve conflicts with each other. We'll be able to find joy in a journey that is heavenward with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Have a great week, gentlemen. Gird up, rock on, shine on. Um, look forward to seeing you in heaven. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. 
And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.